pick a part of the Bible and really work our way through it most of the time. Um, and so leading up to Easter, what I'm planning to do is really just slow things down. We're going to take a few chunks of John 6 and work our way up to Easter time. Uh, it's a passage with a whole lot of stuff about eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood. And so I just think it's really appropriate at Easter time to think what that means for us and how we live it out. Um, but we're just a little bit out of sync with Victoria Point. <laughs> and it's easier for me to have one sermon in my mind on a Sunday morning rather than do one and then a different one here. So what we're going to do today, they're catching up. And so we're going to do a one-off, which is why we've jumped suddenly to the end of John and we're looking at John 21. Um, it's just a, a bit of an odd morning. And it's a little more topical than it is exegetical, though I'll still take us to a passage and really work out of it. Um, but essentially this morning what I wanted us to do was just think about what heaven is going to be like. What is life like after death? I mean it is a really big question and as a society we have numerous numbers of answers and yet in some senses none at all. Like lots of, pe- lots of people with opinions about what happens after you die but fairly little in the way of concrete like evidence-based thinking. We just, we just don't have a lot of categories in which to think about it. And let's be honest, when most people think about uh, becoming a Christian, this is actually a challenge for them. Uh, uh, ex- wanting to be in heaven with God, I actually think sometimes is a put-off, not, a, not an attraction for a lot of the people that I chat to because of the pictures that our society have of heaven. You think about it, so the one that always sticks out to me, I hope there's enough people in the room that remember this. Do you remember the the Philadelphia cheese, cream cheese ads from, you know, a couple of decades ago? This whole picture of of, uh, people flying around on clouds, um, eating cheese, apparently, because it's it's healthy. Uh, uh, Everything you eat in heaven is healthy. Everyone is looking very attractive and beautiful. Um, But particularly... This cheese, Philadelphia cheese, apparently qualifies to be in heaven, so it's okay to eat it now, even if you're on a bit of a a diet or something like that. Do a bit of a gruen transfer on what was going on with this ad. What it's saying is that in heaven, it's going to be pretty bland, because you can only do good stuff in heaven, and so it's going to be not that exciting. In fact, it was so bad, um, if there was sweet chilli added to the Philadelphia cheese, presumably that was the work of the devil because there's no way that could belong in heaven. And I think that really reflects how a lot of people think about heaven these days. Um, Billy Joel had the line, didn't he? He'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints because the sinners have much more fun. Why would you want to be in heaven? And, sorry to be offensive here, but some people, when they stop and think about the Christians they know and think about spending eternity with them, maybe they've got another disincentive to going to heaven. <laughs> we have a problem of really thinking well about heaven. What will it be like? Is it worth being there? Well, we're coming up to Easter, and the thing is that the Christians have a really good place, a really proper place to find evidence for what heaven will be like. And that's Jesus. Because at Easter time, what we're remembering is that there was a man who lived, 
died, was in three days in the grave and then came back. So if you want to have confidence about what heaven will be like, what life after death is like, here is a man who can tell us and tell us with authority and tell us with clarity. And, and that's really what the early church found. The reason we had the reading from Philippians 3 is that the, the early church is talking about what heaven, what life after death will be like and they're very confident. So uh, just, I'm going to, I'll put it up on the screen so you don't have to turn to it, but Philippians 3, we heard first of all, there are, there are two destinations after death. One is destruction. So if you're an enemy of the cross, that is, if you don't want anything to do with Jesus, if you reject what he's done for you, and you'd rather focus on life here and now and just blind that out, the picture isn't good. Have a listen. For as I have often told you before, and now say again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. So Billy Joel reckoned he'd rather laugh with the sinners, but Jesus says, no, they're not going to be laughing. They'll be wailing and gnashing their teeth. Now, I'm not going to say a lot more about that this morning. It's not my focus. But please hear, life after death without Jesus is horrible. It's not a joke. And I urge you not to ignore him. Don't be an enemy of the cross. But what can we say about heaven? How can we think concretely about heaven? Well, we can say a lot because Jesus showed us. He didn't just tell us what heaven was like. He showed us when he rose from the dead. That's what the other part of Philippians says. You look at Jesus after he rose again and you see your future. Have a listen, Philippians 3. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. What will heaven be like? We'll, we'll be like Jesus. The life Jesus lives now, after his resurrection, is the life we will live if we're saved by Jesus. Now, I admit that still may not excite you. If your picture of Jesus is uh, sort of the guy in the white robe, bit of a hippie look, brown hair, big moustache... Uh, I mean, not my beard. And he's got this golden saucer stuck behind his head. I don't know what sort of pictures you have in your mind of Jesus. He may even be doing sort of the Dr. Spock peace sign or something like that. You know, that Jesus, I'm not excited to be like. What we need is a really clear picture of Jesus. We need to see what he was like after he rose from the dead. And that's why we've gone to John 21. So if you want to have your Bibles open, John 21. Let's look at this. And I want us to see three things about what the risen Jesus is like and therefore what heaven will be like. I want us to see that Jesus was physical, he was relational, and he was busy doing useful stuff. Physical, relational, and useful, that's heaven. Have a look at it. First, life after death is physical. So, so none of this angels floating about on the clouds, it will be an actual world where we will actually live. We know that because Jesus rose physically. He wasn't a ghost. 
He carried bread, he made a fire, he scaled a fish, and he sat and ate a meal. Look again at verse 9. When the disciples got out of the boat, they saw some bread and a charcoal fire with fish on it. Jesus told his disciples, bring some of the fish you just caught. And Simon Peter got back into the boat and dragged the net to shore. And in it was 153 large fish, but still the net did not rip. And Jesus said, come and eat. But none of the disciples dared ask him who he was. They knew he was the Lord. And Jesus took the bread in his hands and gave some of it to his disciples. And he did the same with the fish. Now you get the same thing in the other Gospels. Luke records that Jesus ate fish. There is a great concern to show that Jesus was not disembodied when he rose from the dead. And, and so we're not going to be spirits sort of melding with the universe. These ideas you get in other religions, sort of a, a, a going into a state of non-existent being. No! We will be fleshy, solid human beings. You get that in other parts of the Bible, don't you? In Revelation, it's the new heaven and the new earth. And the heavenly city comes down so that God can live with his people. It's a new creation. And I find that really exciting. Because most of the stuff I enjoy is physical. You know, I love a good meal. I love water skiing. I do lots of running. I love walking through a mountain. Even when I'm reading a book, I love the feeling of the pages, or at the very least, you know, sliding my finger across the iPad or whatever it is. I love physical sensation. It's just part of my life. So heaven isn't sterile. Physical pleasure isn't just about here and now. There will be physical pleasure in heaven. And, and I reckon that makes it easier to live for Jesus now. Because it's not like I'm going to miss out on something just because I don't get it here and now. I, I, I found this when I became a Christian. So I love singing. I was involved in lots of choirs. But I found the more I got excited I got about Jesus, the more I wanted to spend time telling people about him, I just couldn't fit everything in my week. I couldn't be in three choirs and be a genuine participant in my church family. I had to give something up, and so I had to give up some singing. But it's not like I'm giving that up forever. It's just a temporary sacrifice. There will be singing in heaven. There'll be lots of things to enjoy in heaven. It's a temporary sacrifice. And, and I really think this helps with the whole concept of the bucket list. You know that idea that there's, there's a list of things that you've got to experience before you die. Because once you die... Supposedly, you won't get a chance to do these things. So you've got to go skydiving, you've got to fly over the North Pole, travel the world, write a book. Supposedly, you won't be able to do those things when you're dead. But if you're trusting in Jesus, you can. It's not like those things are out of the option forever. Heaven will be physical, not sterile. There'll be places to see, things to do, books to write. We don't stop being human in heaven. We're more truly human in heaven. Okay. So, life after death is physical. Life after death is relational. 
in heaven you will enjoy good relationships. You'll have relationships the way they're meant to be. Just stop and think. I imagine you've had some moment in your life where you have been forgiven for something that you did. In fact, I'm guessing for most people in this room, there was something really major where you hurt someone and you had to ask for forgiveness. And you had the utter privilege of the person saying they forgave you and treating you that way. It's, it's an amazing experience, isn't it? It is awe-inspiring to experience someone accepting you despite the wrong you've done to them. Well, what did Jesus do first thing after he rose from the dead? Did he go build a palace? Did he assemble his army to take his rightful place as ruler of the world? Now, he went looking for people. He went looking for the people who had betrayed him, who had let him down. Because that's the very heart of heaven. God is a God who freely forgives. His son died so that you could have a relationship with him. This is God's core business, restoring relationships. So look at it here in John. The risen Jesus invites his disciples to follow him again, despite their betrayal, despite their abandoning. That is how people will treat each other in heaven. Relationships that are that good. See, people mock the idea of being good in heaven. They they, they figure that if you're good in heaven, you're going to miss out on all this fun stuff here on earth. I'll tell you what you miss out on if you are a good person, a person who's finally living the way that God's made us to be. Here are some of the things you will miss out on. You will miss out on having people stab you in the back. You will miss out on sharing deep secrets only to discover that they're common knowledge. You'll miss out on having failures rubbed in your face again and again and again. You'll miss out on that feeling of isolation from others and from God. See, can you really afford to miss out on heaven? The author C.S. Lewis tried to paint a picture of hell. He described a place where everyone was just blind to the goodness of God. They knew nothing of beauty and pleasure that we currently experience and instead they just fumbled around in the dark, kicking and biting and hating everyone that they met. That is a picture of life after death without God. Heaven is the complete opposite. Again, Billy Joel was just totally wrong. If you're surrounded by sinners and God is nowhere to be found, you won't be laughing. So life after death will be physical, life after death will be relational, and finally, life after death will be useful. Did you notice when Jesus forgave Peter, he didn't tell Peter to sit round passively while Jesus ruled the world. He invited Peter into his work. He told him to look after his sheep. Let's read it again from verse 15. When Jesus and his disciples had finished eating, he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than the others do? Simon Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know I do. Then feed my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
And Peter answered, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus told him. Jesus asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him three times if he loved him. So he told Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus replied, feed my sheep. You see, since Jesus' resurrection, he has been busy. He continues to be at work reconciling this world to himself. He, he continues to, to bring all things together. He will do that for all eternity. Everything will be brought into order by submitting to Jesus and living under his rule. Jesus will be working and the Bible is clear that we will be working too. So for instance, 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that Christians will be involved in making decisions in heaven will be involved in judgment revelation 22 says we the saints will serve god adam was made to serve god in the garden it's the same language we will be resurrected to to work in god's creation to his glory and in luke 19 when king jesus returns the servants who've been faithful with a little are given more responsibility that's the picture that jesus used multiple times It's saying there will be work in heaven. Responsibilities. Now, before you uh, roll your eyes at the thought of a heavenly alarm clock and dragging yourself out of bed for another day's work, we've got to remind ourselves that work now is cursed. So when I talk about work in heaven, it's not that burden. It's not the weariness of having work fail you and and you put all your effort in and it doesn't come to anything. No, this is work the way it was meant to be. All satisfaction, no frustration. And let's be honest, like there is nothing more satisfying than work that works out. Doing a good job and seeing the fruit of it, that it is a part of who we are as human beings. Because God is a working God. Life after death will be useful. None of this sitting around on clouds. I mean, we can't conceive of what we're going to be doing. That the nature of the task that God has in store for me, I don't know. But it's only got to be better than what I'm asked to do here and now. So our society ridicules the common pictures of heaven. And look, they're right to do so. I can't think of many things I'd I'd hate more than sitting around on clouds just constantly playing harps. Well, actually, apart from constantly playing bagpipes, that would be really quite painful. (laughs) See, the myths we have about heaven, they deserve contempt. It is right to ridicule them. Heaven without physical pleasure, that would be so sterile, sterile, wouldn't it? A heaven full of people who are perfectly obedient but know nothing of deep, meaningful relationships, that would be a horrible place to be. And a heaven without real, useful work, that would be depressing, wouldn't it? Thank God that is not heaven. Life after death is what we discover at this period of Easter time. Yes, it's a terrible future if we reject Jesus. But it's a fully physical, deeply relational, eternally useful life if we trust him. And that's the reality of heaven. It's so important to get it right or we are going to fear death for all the wrong reasons. 
Uh, apparently, at one stage in history, there was a woman whose daughter had died. And the minister came along and was really trying to find a way to console her and to comfort her in her sadness. And uh, so he, he asked her, look, what do you suppose has happened to your daughter's soul? Where do you think she will be? And the woman's response, it really reveals our default position, the way we so often forget to look to heaven. She said, look, I suppose she's enjoying eternal bliss, but I wish you wouldn't speak to me of such unpleasant subjects. We can fall into that trap. No, eternal bliss is going to be fantastic. It is the comfort to come to when you think about death. It is the the hope to have as you live life here and now. It is the great joy and pleasure of knowing Jesus to look forward to an eternity with him as we were meant to be. How about I pray? Lord Jesus, when you were on earth, you warned us that hell is horrible. You urged us to trust you because heaven will be so much better. Thank you. Thank you that you came back from death to prove that heaven is fantastic. Thank you that today we get to hear how good it will be. Please give us certainty of your promises. Help us to know Jesus in this way so that when we face death, we will face it with joy. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Just while we're getting musicians, um, how about I run through announcements? Um, because there was...